Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Good morning, good morning. How are you this morning? Yes, yes. I'm throwing some shout out, some love to Tyler Snelson right now on Facebook for that incredible lyric, I delight myself in you alone beyond all earthly treasure. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. If y'all didn't know, Tyler Snelson, um, I believe, did he write all that song, Ashley? He wrote that whole song. Is that incredible? Can we give Tyler a hand, even though he's not here and he won't hear it? Maybe he will over podcast. Um, I love him. I'm giving him a shout out on Facebook, which he no longer uses Facebook, so that'll be awesome too. Hey man, we are, um, it's amazing being here with you this summer. I hope that you're awake this morning. It is hard to wake up on a hot Sunday, July 26th, Sunday morning. And so anyway, we are glad that you are here. And, and note this, note this, you know, you're here, you woke up, you got a good night's sleep. Our mission trip actually traveled throughout the night back to Miami and just barely went to sleep this morning. And so they stayed up all night and so you definitely got more rest than them, so be grateful for that. We're excited for what happened uh, in our One Nation, One Day trip. And just to update you, we sent 21 missionaries fully funded over to the Dominican Republic. They teamed up with over 2,100 missionaries. It was the largest organized mission trip of all time that's been recorded thus far, which is incredible. And they were in 20 states in the Dominican Republic, and last night, they had a rally in each state, and they filled up 20 stadiums, 20 event centers, which is multiple people, and saw thousands of people come to know Jesus. It literally was crusade moments, um, uh, moments where God was showing up and doing incredible things, and um, they did street ministry all week. They handed out, I think our team specifically handed out 180 shoes. They all brought a baseball glove with them, were able to give that away after um as they went and watched the kids play baseball, they offered hope. They prayed for one another. There's a girl up here that you'll see in a green and white striped shirt. She has never spoken a day in her life, and Deb was able to pray with her, and she actually spoke the name Jesus uh, for the first time. Her parents saw her speak that name. So it's pretty amazing what God is doing, and we're continuing believing that God's going to do miracles over there in the Dominican Republic. It has been our our heart desire that we want and just parachute into a country, think that we have something to offer, um, but we our hope and desire was to partner with other ministries anytime that we do go on short-term mission trips, that we would partner with these ministries, that we'd be able to see and people be followed up with, people who made decisions to Jesus. And this was amazing because they trained uh, over a thousand spiritual leaders on how to follow up with people. Uh, they trained thousands of business leaders on how to run godly businesses and some principles on how to help steward their business and their country's finances. And, and so it's not, just, uh, it's not just parachute in and proclaim the name of Jesus, which I believe is enough. I do believe that is enough to proclaim the name of Jesus. 
I do believe that's enough to save. I do believe in salvation. There comes reformation and there comes so many other things. I do believe that. But I also believe that we have a responsibility to follow up with people, to disciple them and to see them through the process. And so that's our hope, not only to do it overseas, but to do it with you and the people that we reach in San Antonio. That is our heart. That's our desire. And thank you because you actually help us do that. And so I'm so thankful. If you have your Bible app or your physical Bible, which is probably hard to see unless you have a book light, which you're more than um, that's allowed. And so you can use a book light if you want. But we'll be in Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10 as we conclude our summer series, Disciple. Everybody say disciple. Say be one. Say make one. Tell your neighbor, be one. Tell your other neighbor, make one. Tell your other neighbor, make what? That's <laughs> what so we're going to talk about discipleship. A disciple is somebody who's growing in three different relationships. They're growing in a relationship with God. They're growing in a relationship with those who believe in Jesus, those who have like-minded faith. And they're growing in a relationship with those who may not have a relationship with Jesus yet. I emphasize the yet because I believe that they will once they get transformed in the community of relationship that you're building with them. That is what a disciple is. It's real simple. We've tried to complex it. I've talked about the complexities of disciples and discipleship. I've talked about that over and over again. We're trying to make it as simple as possible. And if there's any confusion, it's because I'm a bad preacher. And so I pray that this would be communicated well to you and clearly so that you could go Therefore, and make disciples in your workplace, at your school, in your community, and wherever you go. Discipleship is the process of disciples making disciples. That's all it is. It's, it's somebody helping another person cultivate those three relationships. And so it's why when I could be in relationship with Michael and Michael tells me about his week, I just point him to the relationship with Jesus first. I build our relationship, and I say, hey, when you start building with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, it gets the focus off of you, and you, you actually start growing through that. It's pretty amazing. We've talked about in our discipleship process, in July, our first week, we talked about engage. you got to engage people with the gospel of Jesus. We give you many different tools to engage people, don't we? We give you invitation cards at our discipleship table every week. There's the God test. It's 10 questions on asking somebody about their faith and their spirituality. Have any of you been in the workplace and it's just hard to talk about Jesus with somebody you work with? Any confession is like, that's so weird. You know, like, can we just, you know, talk about football or something relatable? Well, you can do that. And <laughs> of course you can do that. But the God test helps you and say, hey, I got a test. I'd love for you to take it with me. And right there, it opens the door to some spiritual conversation. We do the one-to-one -one book, which is just to engage people with the gospel and six foundational truths, I believe, that are so important. We believe in establishing people. That's the second part of our process, to establish people. That we would establish people in community groups. How many of you were changed in a community group? Right? I, I see some hands, you know. It, it's amazing. We have a guy in the back. I uh, can't wait till he shares his testimony. He actually got saved um, by his community group leaders sharing the gospel with him. And so I think community groups are very important. We want you established in community groups. We want you established in the local church. 
And so that's why we meet in a theater in comfortable chairs because you're like, man, that chair is so comfortable. And that bread that Genesis and Oralia made was so good that, I, man, I just got to come back. And then you start getting established, and hopefully you start getting changed. You start getting around people, and they start changing you and shaping you, and, and your life looks a little bit different. And we hope to establish you. We also hope to establish you in the faith, and we do that by by sharing the gospel by baptism, by baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we, we do that by so many ways, but we also establish you in the Word through our Purple Book and our discipleship track, which is available for all of you to not only do, but to lead, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, that the discipleship track is not only for you to do, but to lead. Everybody say, to lead. I'm going to do that a lot this morning because I see some eyes falling faint. Welcome. And then we talked about, uh, last week, we talked about equipping. Now, we must equip people for the work of the ministry, and the best equipping that will happen, and I believe that happens, is on-the-job training, which means doing life together, doing relationship together, and don't let people, do not let people do it alone. And so when you see somebody by themselves, you become a snatcher, and you grab them and say, hey, come follow me as I follow Jesus, and watch what happens pretty incredible what happens that's how I was changed that's how I was transformed so am I biased yes but I believe that's how all of us are changed and all of us are transformed and so yes I am dogmatic about it as well welcome welcome to this service as I said if you're a guest this morning this is probably not the 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 most cheery message for you don't worry we'll start one here in two weeks that you'll just love so bring your friends then Lastly, after we quit, we must empower people. We must empower people. It is, it, it's something that we must do. And can I admit and, and can I confess right now that I'm a control freak? Any control freaks in here? Yes, yes, I see those hands. Hallelujah. I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. Yes, I am a control freak. I love to control everything that I can. And it's something that the Lord is working on me with and you can ask Ashley you can ask any of our team that that helps um behind the scenes of this of this service and so many other things they know that I'm a control freak they know that it's hard for me to let go and and I realize though but I, I have to let go if things are really going to change if things are going to move forward and the things that you control are very much limited and have a glass ceiling if you want to control things watch your world get smaller and smaller it's, it's also a coping mechanism. We see it as you get older and older, you can start controlling your environment more and more. And, and, and what, if you aren't careful, your environment will shrink and shrink and become so small because that's the only thing that you can control. And therefore, if you control it, you don't necessarily let God move as he wants to move. We have to let go of control. I realize this as a parent. If I control my kid, Right then, I'm gonna have this kid where I'm trying to constantly control, but as his willpower grows, it's harder and harder to control him, isn't it? And and if I'm to be a good parent and steward Benson well, then I must must empower him to lead his own life. That's really my job is to steward his life, that he would be able to be a leader of his own life, and that he could have wisdom as he makes decisions, and he would be empowered to do that. It's really what we need to do. How many know you can't control your spouse? How many? Woo! Any amens out there? Mainly from the men. Okay, I'm just kidding. Don't do that next to your spouse. You can't control your spouse. 
There's just things that we can't control and we are disillusioned to think that we can. We oftentimes think that we can. You know, I believe that we have to empower people. We have to let go of control and we have to empower people. We have to empower the next generation over and over again. Lance, who was standing here leading us in worship, didn't he do a great job? Can we encourage Lance? Right there, baby. Lance, ninth grade. Ninth grade, I tapped Lance. I was like, we don't have anybody to lead worship. I need you to lead worship. So I empower him, but I'm horrible at equipping. I'm just like, go and do it, baby. Empowerment without equipment is foolishness. You got to empower people. So Lance gets up here. He sings. What's that song? Yes, Lord. I don't. Trading my sorrows. Trading my sorrows. You may not even know it. But he sings the verse, and then we're ready for the chorus, and then he sings the verse again. And then we're ready for the chorus, and he sings the verse again. And we never got to the chorus. It was an awesome moment. But here's what's great, you know, is as you empower people and lead people and, and throw them out there and equip them to do ministry, they, they may not do the best job at first, right? How many of you know you didn't do the best job the first time you attempted something? But the more you know something and the more you're given the opportunity, actually you end up begin to excel. And I love Lance because I think he's an incredible worship leader now. I think he's amazing. Yes, encourage him. We have to let leaders lead or they'll never be what God's called them to be. We have to let leaders lead or they'll never be what God has called them to be. And so we must empower people. Empowerment is a cycle. Not only must we empower people, it's a, it's a cycle. How many of you know there's a lot of cycles in life? Seasons are cycles. There's so many cycles. But once you are empowered, you go and you do, and then you're equipped. And so with Lance, I'm like, bro, you did so great, man. That was an awesome job. A little ninth grade, you know, kid, and you like half the girls in our youth ministry. That was awesome, you know. So, but, but, but then I'm equipping them. I was like, just, you know, try to, try to memorize the songs a little bit, practice a little bit more. That would be great. And then you empower him again. It's a cycle, and it's ongoing. And discipleship is a journey. Everybody say journey. Journey. It starts today, and it ends in eternity. And so discipleship is a journey. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And so our discipleship track is not fully discipleship. It's awesome, and we love it, and we, and we believe in it, and we believe if you start it and you start doing it with somebody, it's going to be incredible. And I believe that you can do the discipleship track over and over again until you die, and then you can keep making disciples, and it would be amazing. But I also know it's a journey. Life is a journey. You get married, and you get busy, and then you have kids, and then you have more kids, and then more kids, and then, and then you just have all these kids, and then it's really hard. Everybody say discipleship's a journey. It's a journey, and in this cycle of equipping and empowering, equipping and empowering, equipping and empowering, it's also getting equipped and empowered, equipped and empowered, equipped and empowered. Jesus knew this. In Luke chapter 10, it's a perfect example of the discipleship process. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus, he had three, and a, three plus years, three, three years to equip these disciples to carry on the mission of the church because he was going to leave. That's no pressure. I have 12 dudes that I'm believing are going to start a movement. 
And, and in this movement, there will be millions and even billions of followers of Jesus, and I have three years to do this. That's not pressure. That is pressure. That's a lot of pressure. That's crazy pressure, and yet Jesus, he was equipped, and he was empowered to do it. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Preachers love this verse. We need leaders. Everybody say, we need leaders. We need leaders. We need leaders. Jesus says this thing that the harvest is plentiful. And 21 people from Luminous Church realized when they set foot in the Dominican that the harvest was plentiful. They realized that there are hundreds, and if not, there are thousands and tens of thousands of people who have never heard the name of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. Two out of three, two out of three San Antonians do not go to church anywhere. The harvest is plentiful. And not that church is salvation, but church is, is, a, is a picture of where the health of people are spiritually. And so the harvest is plentiful and we need leaders. We need leaders. And what we must do is we must pray for leaders. The harvest is plentiful because people need hope, don't they? People need hope. Anywhere you go, people are just looking for hope. They're looking for hope wherever you go. It's why in 2008, a man was elected to office on a sole message of hope, that people needed hope. And the majority of those in the United States says, yes, I need hope. Yes, I need hope. President Barack Obama's quoted saying this, in the end, that's what this election is about. Do we participate in politics of cynicism or a politics of hope? That people rallied behind this message of hope and so desperately needed. And I believe that when he was elected, there was hope for so many more. The ceiling was broke for so many. And I believe that it enabled people to dream dreams that they, they didn't think they could obtain. I thought, I think it's so amazing what God um, did through that. But I believe more importantly that people need hope of eternity. They need hope of the gospel. They need hope that will not only change a circumstance today, but will change a circumstance for eternity. They need hope in Jesus. And people are longing for hope. It's why the harvest is plentiful. Because people are asking real questions. They're asking questions, what's beyond this? What's beyond this? They're asking questions, why does evil exist? They're asking questions, why is there death in the world? They're asking some hard questions. They're asking questions of, why am I never, ever happy? They're asking questions, why am I full of anxiety and depression? They're asking so many questions, and I believe that Jesus has the answer to every question you'll ever have. Salvation, the gospel, the gospel needs to be proclaimed. It needs to be proclaimed. But how many know it's scary? In verse 3, in verse 3, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. 
How many of you know being empowered is scary? I don't want to pull out a God test at my workplace. That is, they are wolves. It is scary in the break room. How many of you know it's scary in the break room? You know, it's, it's scary in there. Not only are there people gossiping, but there's donuts everywhere. It's just, it's just dangerous. It's scary, and, and that's why we say, I'm just, I'm not mature enough. I don't know enough. I don't have enough answers, and we say this all the time, right? I, I don't want to share the gospel because what if they say something and I don't have the answers? I don't want to disciple anybody. I don't want to meet with them on discipleship track because, because when we get to something that I don't have the answers for, and then I just want to drop it, and I want to stop the process. Discipleship is scary, but, but there, is, there is a myth out there. There is a myth out there that you must be mature in order to minister. How many like the show Mythbusters? I remember hearing the show, and, and if you drop a penny from the Empire State Building, it will fall on somebody and kill them. I remember walking downtown Midland. There are only like 20 stores. Downtown Midland, I'm looking like this. <laughs> Don't die, Ben. It's dangerous out there. Hey, check out what the Mythbusters has to say about the penny myth. This myth originated in the Big Apple atop an architectural icon, the Empire State Building. The myth is that if you throw a penny off of a building this height, that it'll either get going so fast that it'll embed itself in the concrete on the, at the base of the building, or it'll hit somebody in the head and kill them. Adam and Jamie need to find out what is a penny's maximum speed when falling. In other words, its terminal velocity. Once they've done that, they'll shoot the coin at concrete, asphalt, and a head made from ballistics gel. It's time to see if Jamie's penny can achieve terminal velocity. The modified staple gun blasts the coin from three feet at the concrete block. Look, you can see the penny imprint. The penny traveled the three feet in 16 five hundredths of a second. The rig has shown that we can fire this penny at about 65 miles an hour, which is at the upper level of what studies have shown that, that the terminal velocity of a penny would be. So the test shows that a coin traveling at terminal velocity cannot penetrate concrete or asphalt. But what about flesh and bone? Remember, the penny myth talks about a penny shattering someone's skull. Enter Norma, Adam's ballistics dummy. Norma's cranium will take the full brunt of a penny traveling at terminal velocity. Lights. Perfect hit. Lights off. The penny broke through the thin layer of ballistics gel, but the skull is intact. So, you ready to put that to the ultimate test? We've tried it on all the other stuff we've got. Want to try and catch it in your hand? The penny is leaving an imprint in the concrete when it hits, so, uh, you know, I'm a little hesitant about catching it, actually. The Mythbusters are about to find out what happens when a penny traveling at 64 miles per hour hits skin. I'll do it. Okay. But you got to do it too, otherwise, you know, you're like a wuss. Okay, you first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Still a wuss. No, I'll kick your Penny for your thoughts right about now, Adam. <laughs> I'm scared. Okay. Three, two, 
one. Ow! <laughs> that didn't actually hurt that much. Well, Jamie, take cover because Adam's taking aim. All right. Firing in three, two, one. Well, that seemed to work like a charm. <laughs> Look at that imprint. You can clearly see where it hit. The penny is shot from the slot at almost three times the speed of sound. Uh, the high-speed camera result apparently is 3,000 feet per second. Well, that's, that's like a bullet. That's <laughs> the speed of a bullet. The coin still did not end up embedded in the block. 64 miles an hour just wasn't enough to cause any kind of damage to a person. And then when we made it go almost three times the speed of sound, it still wasn't enough to break the bones. Yeah, I mean, the worst thing I can come up with is if you were looking straight up in the sky and you got hit in the eye, it probably wouldn't be very good for you. But even then, I don't know whether it'd take your eye out. <laughs> I think we busted the heck out of this one. Myth busted? Yeah. Don't you just love that show? That's awesome show, man. It's awesome show because it's bringing truth to myths so that we're no longer telling these myths anymore and if you're probably under the age of 20 you've never even heard that myth because it's been busted so long ago and so myths aren't being um, portrayed as much anymore the myth of maturity says that I have to be mature before I can have any responsibility I have to be mature before I can have any responsibility it's when a car uh, when a parent holds their car keys up and say okay when you're mature enough I'm going to give you the keys to the car the problem with that is that brings a perpetual state of infancy because you've never given responsibility. Not until you give responsibility does somebody become mature. You realize that? Not until responsibility is actually what matures you. And so if you withhold responsibility from people, they'll never grow up. It's why we have 30-year-olds acting like 12-year-olds. Where if 50 years ago, if you were 12, you acted like you were 30 because you were out on the farm or you were somewhere else and you had responsibility and there's something you did. Responsibility is, brings about maturity. And so here's the myth. The myth is I'm not mature enough so I can't disciple. But the truth is you are mature enough and once you disciple, you're going to mature even more. You're going to mature even more. And so we have to empower people. And the best advice that I ever got when it was to empower people, the best advice I ever got was stay one chapter ahead. How many of you know that, right? If you know John 3.16, but the co-worker doesn't know John 3.16, boom, you're equipped. You're ready. You're empowered. Go do it. Stay one chapter ahead. Stay one chapter ahead. And here we have the disciples being sent out. They're empowered and they're going to send out and doing ministry. They're seeing all sorts of stuff and, and, and there's all sorts of ministry that's happening. And in verse 16, Jesus says this for another equipping moment. He says, the one who hears you hears me and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, that therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It's why when I'm jacked up, the message isn't hijacked. Because the message isn't my life. The message is Jesus' life. 
And it's why in your weakness he is made strong because he is perfect and he's complete. And when you're messed up, he will cover that with his grace and his blood. He will cover that over and over again. And so you, when you say, dude, I cussed last night. There's no way I can meet with that lady tomorrow morning at Starbucks. There's no way because, because I said a cuss word. That would be so true if you were the salvation for that person. But you're not. Jesus is. And so when I'm jacked up, I can still minister. And when I mess up, I can still proclaim the gospel. And, and, and I'll just tell you this. I, as your pastor, am jacked up. I'm messed up. And yet you're giving the, me the opportunity to share with you because what I share with you is hopefully not of me but of Jesus and more of him. More of him. In verse 17, we see this. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus rejoices not in what you can do and your ability, but he rejoices in the Father's will. Verse 21 through 23. In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. The worship team could come help me close this out this morning. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. We must empower. Empowerment is a cycle of being equipped, being empowered. Being equipped, being empowered. We find this being a cycle over and over again. We find that the myth of maturity is debunked because of Jesus and who he is and that he has more than enough. And the Holy Spirit will give you words when you don't even have words. We find that to be true. We find out that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And we're not giving out of ourselves; We're giving out of him. We're giving out of him. We're giving out who he is. And lastly, I believe not until you go, do you see? Not until you go, do you see? Not until you're empowered and you step out, do you see what God has done? You see, these disciples, they've been watching Jesus for quite some time casting out demons. They watched Jesus heal the sick. They watched Jesus do amazing things. They saw him do it, and they only thought that Jesus could do it. But then when Jesus sent them, and they saw things happen, they came back and said, Jesus, you won't believe what happens. That demons flee. That the sick are healed. That the poor preached good news to them, and they're responding to you, Jesus. So many things are happening because because of you, and it's amazing seeing what, what happens when you go. 
It's why, it's why when 21 people sign up for a mission trip, they saw thousands of people get saved. It's why when you step out in your workplace and you open the God test, you'll be surprised by the responses that somebody gives and the life that is changed. If Peter didn't step out on the boat, he would have never known that he could walk on water. If Peter didn't stretch out his hand at the gate of beautiful and say, rise and walk and grab, grab the man who's been paralyzed, he would have never known that God can heal and use him to heal. He would have never known these things. And if you don't step out and if you don't go, you won't know what God can do through you. You won't know. And I believe that God wants to do something amazing through you today and this week and this year. I believe that Jesus wants to use you. And I believe that you're empowered. So stand with me if you believe that for yourself this morning. Stand with me all over this room that you would stand and believe that I can go and that I can do. And that God will use me to change lives. That God will use me in amazing ways. And that the gospel will go forward and lives will be ever changed. Let's pray and then we're going to worship. Father, we love you this morning, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have empowered us. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that don't try to control people. That I would be a pastor that doesn't try to control every situation. God, but I will rely on your Holy Spirit and rely, God, that there are people in this room more gifted than I that will do more things than I do. And Jesus, you're going to use them and you're going to move through them. And I pray, God, that they would go, that they would go and they would say, today, I want to make disciples. Today, I want the good news of Jesus Christ to touch my workplace to touch my neighborhood, to touch my friends, to touch my neighbors. And Lord, I pray for signs, wonders, and miracles. I pray, God, that you would change people and those who are dead would become alive in Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, will you say amen? And can we give God a big hand this morning? Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. Let's worship God together this morning.